0: What's up, guys? Uh, if you want more football, uh, more insight, you can head on to runthepower.com. Uh, we've got a lot of things on our website right now, from a summit uh, to the series that we're uh, running, and we keep loading up new each each uh, week. Uh, talking about our series for our premium and our standard members. Standard members are free. You get to watch um, not as much, obviously, but uh, you can still see a lot of these clips. Uh, premium members, you obviously get the entire show. Of each of these series, which is updated uh, monthly. But we've got uh, a deep, we've got a dive into offensive line uh, with OL Film Room. We've got a long handoffs, which Coach Walls breaks down uh, the passing game of college teams. We've got Team Builder, who's done a weight room uh, series. We've got Coach Flynn, who does a special team series for you guys that we update regularly. And then also Coach Walls does our RTP install. So that's five series running the gamut, at least on the offensive side. Uh, we might be bringing you guys some defensive of, uh, installs and different things coming soon, um, but that'll be in the future. But Right now you got five amazing series you guys can go check out um, at our website, runthepower.com. This episode of RTP is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Got linemen? Cap them during practice with Guardian Cap helmet covers. These caps reduce up to 33% of the impact and are great for the repetitive, subconcussive blows that add up through the season. Clemson, Oklahoma, Texas, and 100 more colleges, over 100 more colleges are using them. So why not get them for your guys? They're currently running their summer promo, which is 22 caps for $950. Free shipping. Okay, So go to guardiancaps.com. Uh, For a quote, let them know that uh, RTP sent you guys. Again, that's GuardianCaps.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Vices. Vices football helmets are different than other helmets on the market. Their design reduces impact forces by yielding in a collision similar to a car bumper. Concept so unique, that the helmet was named one of Time Magazine's Top 25 Inventions of 2017. The Zero One is the top helmet at every level of football. Nearly every NFL team has starters in the 0-1, including both the Super Bowl MVP and the overall league MVP last season. Over 140 college teams, 1,500 high school programs, and hundreds of middle school and youth teams have made the switch to the VICE's 0-1 and 0-1 youth helmets. Protect your athletes with the top-performing helmets in the game. For more information about VICE's technology, or, to request team pricing or financing options, visit vices.com, which is V-I-C-I-S dot on the web. Vices. Protect the athlete. Elevate the game. And lastly, this episode is brought to you by GoRoute. GoRoute brings practice efficiency into the 21st century with on-field digital risk coaches. Trusted at practice by more than 350 high schools and 30-plus FBS and FCS teams, GoRoute allows coaches to instantly send out scout cards and installs the players, so they can stay up tempo all practice without the need for binders or managing multiple huddles. Compatible with all major play drawing systems and hand drawn cards, GoRoute teams routinely double or triple their practice reps daily. All right, you've got these wrist coaches that are all digital on the kids' arms. You program them, send them out right before the play. They know exactly what the play is by looking at it. Again, you don't have to write the cards out. You don't have to do any of that. You don't have to try to show it. It's windy or rainy. You're putting it in sleeves. Uh, Some kid sees one. Some see something else. They get it right there on their arm right when you want to do it. It's great for up-tempo, practicing against up-tempo teams. If you value practice time and want the best preparation, then you need to go no-scout cards with GoRoute. Learn more at GoRoute.com email sales at goroute.com, or just give them a call, 866-777-1448. On today's episode of RTP, we talk with Drew Ambrose. Coach Ambrose is the quarterback's coach at Franklin High School in Franklin, Wisconsin. Listen as we talk with Coach Ambrose about his football journey throughout high school football in the North, how he attacks defenses with the passing game, and his offensive play calling philosophy and plan. You can follow Coach Ambrose on Twitter at Drew Ambrose 2 Hope you guys enjoy.
1: So I, I grew up in, in La Crosse, Wisconsin, um, which is, uh, far Western Wisconsin. Actually it's really close to like the borders of both Iowa and Minnesota. Um, I, Played at uh, lacrosse central high school. Um we were a wing T team actually. So I, I ran that from the time I was in seventh grade through through graduation. Um after that went on to University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. Uh started out there as a running back. Um I'm not the biggest guy. I'm like, you know, six foot 180 pounds, so I'm not like prototypical college running back size. So I ended up switching over to to play strong safety. Uh I was there for about two years and then I ended up getting injured in training camp. Kind of saw the writing on the wall, the guys that I was behind, and just decided that uh, it was probably time to just focus on school and uh, (laughs) that whole gig. And then uh, my my former head coach from high school actually uh, he reached out to me through my dad. So my dad actually taught at my high school where I went, and uh, he's now he's now one of the assistant principals there at the school. And uh, he asked if I was interested in coaching, uh, just because he knew that I love football, and I was like, "Well, yeah, why not?" So took a shot on that. And, uh, I was on the four and a half year plan for college. So I ended up having three years to coach there before I graduated. Um, did that. I, I, my degree actually is in economics. So I I did not plan on like teaching and coaching. Um, so. that. That sounds like bad economics yeah 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 going into the,
0: t- the coaching and teaching field yeah
1: well and, and it was great <laughs> because i like i graduated in 2008 which was like right when the economy tanked too so <laughs> that's kind of bad on both Bad on both the safe runs. route yeah exactly so i uh I, I actually got uh once i graduated i got a job working at a uh for u.s bank um and i did that for a little while and that just crushed my soul so i
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> decided
1: enough was enough and uh my dad, um, and actually now my current mother-in-law, um, kind of talked me into going back to school to get my teaching license. So I uh, moved from La Crosse to Kenosha, Wisconsin, um, which is about about 35 minutes south of Milwaukee and about an hour north of Chicago. So we're in a, it's a good location. We're right between two major cities, so there's a lot to do. Uh, went to Carthage College and got my teaching license, and then uh, I got hired um, before I actually finished my program there to uh, coach at Indian trail high school, which is in Kenosha. Um, and at the time it was a brand new high school um, in, in Kenosha unified school district. So um, if, if you guys know anything about the area, it's Kenosha is like the third largest school district in the state. Um, they had two big high schools, which are, are Bradford and Trumper high school. And um, I, Bradford is famous because they had uh, Melvin Gordon and Trey Waynes on the team at the same time a few years back. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and they, the crazy part is they actually did not win the state title that year. They got beat by um, Waukesha West, which was at, like Joe Schober who plays for the Cleveland Browns. Hmm. Uh, they got beat by his team in the state semis. Um, but then they, the team won, they, Bradford won state the year after that, which is the crazy part. So all those guys graduated, and then they won state the next year. <laughs> So I started at Indian Trail uh, in 2012. Um, so it was their third year of, of football. Uh, they had had freshmen in 2010, uh, and then freshmen in JV ball in 2011. 2012 was the first year of varsity ball, and uh, we did not have any seniors on the team since it was a brand new school. Uh, we went We ended up going two and seven that year, so we still won a couple games, even though we didn't have any seniors, which was fun. Um, and then the next year we had. Obviously, we had, you know, 22 returning starters back the next season, so we were, yeah. ended up being – we were pretty good. Um, we had a few guys go on to play, play at the next level. We had a, a defensive end and tight end who went on to play at Wofford College down in, in South Carolina. And we had a few other guys go to the D2 level. Um, we ended up making it, uh, I think, to the third round of the playoffs that year, and we have, we have another team in our league, Franklin High School, who is like a state powerhouse. And they had knocked us off uh, 17 to 14 in, in, in the playoffs of that year. And then I uh, had a few more years. I, I ended up – I stuck around there for six years total. Um, our, the guy that was the original head coach left after my fifth year. He left to go down to Lake Forest High School in down in Illinois, which is about 30, 30 minutes or so south of here. Um, and then they brought a new guy in. Um, he actually came from Iowa. Um, most of our staff did not stick around uh, for that year when he was there. Um, myself and our O-line coach did stick around uh, for one more year. And then we both decided after that year that I think things had kind of changed a little too much to, in some ways that we weren't, we didn't totally agree with. So we <laughs> moved on. And uh, he actually now, uh, John, my O-line coach, he, he's not coaching right now. He just had his third kid. So he's taken a couple of years off. Um, and then I moved on to uh, Racine Case High School, which is about 20 minutes north of Kenosha, which is where I uh, currently am right now. So I, uh, this was my first year there. So. And what are you coaching there? Uh, right now I'm the offensive coordinator and I coach quarterbacks as well. So, so Coach, man,
2: I got to ask you, you know, moving all these spots and, and you know, seeing, seeing good times, seeing, you know, rougher times are not as good, having to build things up. You know, having having guys. What are some of the things you've kind of learned in your journey, as far as you know, things that maybe you you've taken and it's like, yep, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing that, or were there maybe things that you you learn that like, wow, uh, I'm not gonna do that anymore. That's definitely not something I'm about.
1: Yeah. So i uh, i was I was fortunate when I got hired on at Indian Trail. So uh, Mike McKay, our head coach at the time, he had been the defensive coordinator at Kenosha Tremper for like seven or eight years prior to coming over to Indian trail. And he actually brought like, I think uh, f- oh, five or six other guys that came with him uh, from Tremper over to ITA. And he had it set up in such a good way where, you know, he, he really, you know, he handled all of the off field stuff, the administrative stuff. And he really, really let us coach, which was awesome. I mean, he, he was our defensive coordinator too. And he was phenomenal at it. They, Tremper had been to the state title game a few times while he was their coordinator. And I just think his, his way of, you know, delegating tasks and stuff, he, he was really good at, you know, letting us take on something and run with it. Like he let me uh, take on and teach all of our leadership and character development classes in the off season, which was awesome. Um, You know, he had, he brought in a guy who was a, a, professional certified strength and conditioning coach who just also happens to be a physical therapist for his day job. Um, You know, he let guys take things that they were good at and run with it, which was awesome. Um, You know, and then the, when he left, um, that kind of all went out the window, you know, the new guy wanted to kind of run everything his way. And, you know, it was, everything had to go by him and, or if you kind of brought something up, it was like, well, I don't like that. Or yeah, sure. You know, if it was something that maybe as a head coach he should have done, um, you know, he, he a lot of times would be like, oh, it sounds like a good idea. Now you can do it, you know. And it was like, well, that's not really what I had in mind. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> that, that was frustrating for sure. Um, you know, and I think that some of the things that I learned not to do in that situation would probably do a little bit of research on the team before you. If you get a job. You know, I mean, obviously guys are going to do research, but I think it was – you know, we'd been pretty good. I mean, we had made the playoffs, you know, five straight years, we had never had a senior class not make the playoffs. And it was like, you're going to come in and kind of change everything and take away a lot of the stuff that we've been doing. So that was definitely a tough, a tough pill to swallow. And I think a big reason why a lot of the guys decided to not stick around. Um, So I think, you know, going forward, if that's ever, if I'm ever in that situation, I'm definitely gonna, you know, go in and really figure out like, all right, you know, Hey, maybe, you know, this isn't working, like let's change this or, you know, what do you guys think? What do you want to change? What needs to get changed? Instead of just coming in with a, a plan of wholesale change and just going through with it, you know, without, you know, talking to anybody who's been involved. But so that was kind of frustrating, but overall good experience for me, though. You you talk
0: about delegating, and, and it's something that's uh, extremely important, you know, important as an OC, probably even more important, obviously, as a head coach, but that was one of the things that Walls was so good at. I mean, he knew football, and he studied football, so he was great at that as well, but probably in my opinion, the thing he was best at was was delegating to the assistant coaches, making those guys feel important, um, and, and being able to delegate. And, and I'm sure there were some things that probably – he wouldn't have done it that way. You know, another thing that our head coach does an amazing job of of delegating and, and I'm sure there were some things that both of them, there were some things that they wouldn't have done it that way, but as long as it was still sound, you know, they kind of let us get away with it. Let us have some, some, um, you know, input on, on the game plan on, on different things. Even if sometimes uh, it was kind of a trick, they weren't really giving us, you know, maybe they're giving us two options. They like both options, but just to kind of, trick us into thinking we got our own options, but it worked really well. You know, some something the walls was really, really good at. Um, to me personally, I'm, I'm very awful at delegating and, and kind of want my hand in everything and want it done my way. And, and which, uh, as you've said, I've been around it and realized that it doesn't work very well. Is that something with you as an OC, uh, is that something that comes natural to you? Uh,
1: or is that something that you've had to consciously think of and, and work on? Um, I I think while I was at Indian Trail, it definitely came pretty easily just because we had a lot of continuity on our staff. Like we didn't, we had, you know, the first five years that I was there, you know, we had the exact same staff. I mean, nobody left or or came in at all. So it was, it was great. You know, I mean, it was like the the other guys just kind of knew like, Hey, all right, you know, Drew, we know on, you know, okay. Tuesdays or whatever we're going to do, that's our zone day. And Wednesday's going to be our gap day, you know, like that's how they're going to do it. And they just knew how to set up and they knew what drills we needed to have um, set up. And, you know, all right, we got inside today. Here's what we got for our script. And they were great at that stuff. I think in my new job now, I think I kind of took it for granted having that because uh, at, at case they're not, um, you know, they run it. They ran prior to me coming there a totally different style of offense. You know, I mean, my, my offense is very much, you know, we're, you know, mostly spread based. I mean, I would probably compare us to mostly like like an Ohio State type, you know, we, Urban Meyer school. Like we run a lot of gap scheme stuff. We still run the zone. Um, but case was, you know, they were like a pro I team prior to me coming there. So like the system was totally new to them. Sure. I guess I just kinda coming in, I was like, all right, you know, hey, here's like here's the stuff we're gonna do. You know, right, we're gonna run inside zone, outside zone, power counter, you know, for the old line tight ends running backs. You know, here's the past stuff. And I was kind of like, yeah, all right, you know, like thinking that it was going to be like it was at Indian trail. And that's kind of not how it really worked out, you know? So we kind of went into it this year, a little behind the eight ball probably. And, and it showed, I mean, we we didn't run the ball very well this year. And, you know, I definitely take responsibility for that because I didn't probably didn't do a good enough job of preparing them. And you know delegating things and giving them the information that they needed i you know, i just kind of was like hey i'm used to my my line coach that i've had for the past 6 years you know and mm-hmm. he's gonna he's gonna know what i want and he knows you know our rules and everything and they're going to run with it when that wasn't the case obviously so so that that was definitely a challenge this year but i i, I think i'm inherently and in, i'm pretty good at delegating stuff and and i've always had good assistance so that helps a lot too so
0: well I think another thing that's obviously really, really important and sometimes you can't help it. Like you said, if you move jobs and, and your offensive line coach has his, his third kid, which is a job in and of itself, um, you really can't help it. But I think one of the the a very important thing that at least that Walls always talks about, and maybe Walls you can expand on it a little bit better. I just got the cliff notes, but is is how important it is to um treat I don't know if treats the right word, but to treat your assistant coaches, uh, the ones that are really good especially, uh, to keep them with you and keep them feeling valuable uh, and, and all these different things that you can do. Walls, what are, um, help me out here a little bit, but what are some of those things that that you look to try to do when you're an offensive coordinator and, and you have a good, whatever, receivers, offensive line coach, whatever that is, but obviously uh, we've talked, you know, at Nauseam probably on this podcast about that continuity, how important that is. And, and so what are those, some of the things that you do to try to um, empower those guys or, or whatever to, to keep those guys wanting to work for you and, and happy with the job they have instead of trying to, you know, maybe chase a job
2: somewhere else? I think you gotta, you got to know your guys, you know, inside and out. I think the, the, personality, uh, the personality factor is huge. And then I also think that you need, to, you need to be able to sit down with those guys and ask them what their goals are. So, I mean, if, if their goals were, you know, I use a, a couple of guys on our staff at Broken Arrow. I knew a guy like Tim Holt wanted to be a head coach. So, and he, he'd even said my other goal was I wanted to learn more about the run game. Well, okay, cool. Let's, let's let you coach running back so you can learn run game. And then Coach Alexander made him a special teams coordinator. So, he would have, you know, that, that ability to kind of put some of those things on a resume. And then it also kept him interested because he was going to have to learn. And uh, he was going to have to get better. Um, uh, For instance, when I had you as an offensive line coach, you know, I had to kind of feel you out at the start. But then ultimately, you know, hearing your goal, of you know, Coach Walls, I want to be the best offensive line coach in America. So it was kind of like, all right, well, let's, you know, what do you know from Houston? Well, we ran a lot of zone and some pin pull and we threw the ball, you know, 70% of the time. And kind of like, okay, well, we'll broaden your horizon a little bit with teaching you a little bit more about the the gap schemes and the, the gap run game. And then at the same time, let you kind of, you know, find your way and find your niche. And then once once I knew you were ready to roll, just let you go. But I think if, if you don't sit down and, and talk to those people and figure out what exactly their goals are, and now it just becomes my goal. Or it becomes, you know, maybe, maybe something where I'm trying to sell yeah, here's what the standard for the team is, or here's what the vision for the team is. Well, those, those people didn't have anything to do with that. But once I, I kind of understand what makes people tick, we can get some people on the same page, we get it bought in and everyone's now acting like a team instead of me just, you know, saying something and everybody conforms to it. I think now you'll, you'll see the real power and people want to be a part of that because, you know, they feel a part of it for one, they see it be successful. They see their, their goals being accomplished. And they really now don't don't have a reason to leave unless it is for a better job. And then when those people want to get that better job, I'm the first guy congratulating them and 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 giving them the letter of recommendation for it because ultimately that's what you really care about, pushing people to that next level.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. I, I completely agree. We uh, I am definitely fortunate and I have the guy who was the OC previous to me at case is still on staff. Um, he actually works for the TSA. Uh, so he's not a teacher in the building. So he, he works at the TSA up at the airport in Milwaukee. So he's, he's not around in the building a whole lot. And that was kind of the reason why when I was going through the process of looking for a new spot, when I was leaving Indian trail that I ended up at cases, cause I knew, I know a guy who's one of the principals in the school. And it was like, all right, you know, he, he hooked me up with the head coach and he was like, yeah, man, if you want to come, you know, you can be the OC, um, you know, you can run the show. He's like, I'm going to keep the other guy on you know, on the staff, just because he's knowledgeable and he is, he's great. It's it's awesome having another guy on staff who has been an OC, you know, so it, it makes my life a lot easier with, you know, he coaches our receivers now and our head coach is actually our O-line coach. So, so it's a good, it's a good setup right now. Um, I think, like I said earlier, for me, it's, uh, I I should have done a better job myself of just going through and saying, Hey, you know, here's kind of what, how we're going to do it. Um, you know, and having the rules and everything in place for those guys, kind of you know, as far as what we're running on offense and that type of thing, and the game planning process, because it all kind of, I kind of came in and in late, you know, towards the towards summer last year, right before the season, you know, because we we only get in Wisconsin. I mean, we only get five days in the off season to work. You know, we only get five practices in the summer, so it's we don't get a lot of time with the kids. So it's you know, kind of a, you know, like a, a quick like let's throw everything together and do this quick, and then uh, you know, kind of go as Know, as as time went, you know, just kind of taking it as it happened and trying to figure it out. But this year, we're definitely going to be a lot better prepared. I mean, uh, you know, like, you know, I, I obviously I got the, you know, your guys' premium premium site, which has been awesome. You know, walls. You and I talk like, you know, probably like what once a week or something about. Oh my god! You know, I'm on the R4 thing now with Dub, which is awesome. And the, and the big the big reason I did that is actually because of the way things went this past season. And it was like, hey, I just I need to get something you know, just to make sure that we were clear with like language and, you know, making sure everything was set up and systematic in a way that like I could teach it to the guys, the other assistants, and then they could trickle down to the kids, you know, just having that, having that in place, I think is going to be a huge benefit to us just because, and Case is not traditionally a football, a great football school. It's, it's more of a basketball school. So trying to, trying to build it up is, you know, it's been, we've had a good off season, so that's going to help. But, uh, you know, I just think all the combination of all the different things we've been doing this offseason with that and you guys has been, has been awesome. And I think it's, I think it's definitely looking up for us. I think,
0: and you touched on it, that common language is just so important. You know, wh- wh- wherever you get it from, wherever you, you know, borrow it from, make up your own, whatever it is, as long as your whole coaching staff and your kids are all in the same language and it all makes sense to everybody and they're all using it. Um, I think, Uh, it's just such a benefit because no one's confused. And it's so easy, I think, especially in football, um, to be speaking a different language to your coaches because, you know, uh, you got three different guys, especially, you know, to me on defense. You got, uh, let's say you got a secondary coach, uh, two secondaries coaches, a linebackers coach in the D.C., and they're all talking about coverages. And they all four have got a different name for, um, you know, whatever, Stubby, or whatever all those names are, right? But they, they've they got four different – they're all talking about the same thing. They're all calling it four different things. It takes them however long to figure out uh, what they're talking about, and then they're saying, oh, but you really mean this. And you're, I mean, it just it, – it's so much left, you know, that if we just all called it the same thing, whatever it was, um, and that goes for the offense too, you know. If if your receivers coach and your coordinator are calling the coverage something different but the same thing, uh, now it, it, it's some confusion in the air, whether, you know, where if you can just say it's called whatever, uh, you know, Sharpie, that's fine. It doesn't matter. As long as we all call it Sharpie, we know what we're talking about. <laughs> and We can get it rolling as long as we all go through it. And it saves so much
1: time. Everyone's on the same page and, and uh, it just rolls so much smoother. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that was my big thing. I mean, I, I've always been big on, you know, on trying to like, you know, make the terminology as simple and intuitive as I can. You know, I mean, that was a big, big reason why I kind of reached out to you guys in the first place was try to, you know, talk to walls about, you know, I, I had seen your, you know, your one video on your, your standard page about some of your, you know, how you set up the offense. And I was like, all right, you know, we just need to come up with a better way because, you know, this past season was, you know, kind of us trying to blend, you know, my stuff into what they were already doing so that we could keep it familiar with the kids. But then it was kind of like, I didn't know some of the stuff, what they were calling it, and they didn't know what I was calling certain things. So that, that's definitely a big, been a big point of emphasis for me this offseason is to just get, a, get it all put together so that everybody's on the same page. And then actually once we get back from – because we're on spring break right now. Once we get back next week, I'm going to start rolling a lot of it out to the kids just to, you know so they can start to get familiar with it. I've shown my, my quarterback some of it already. Um, unfortunately, we have, a, we have a pretty good – quarterback coming up who's only a sophomore right now so that's going to help a yeah lot. that'll be nice to have that's too. right <laughs> baby uh, so that's that, that's kind of where I'm at right now with all that stuff but you know I think you know watching all the stuff that you guys have put out and you know the dub stuff is obviously you know awesome you know putting things into families and buckets has been you know it just makes even for myself you know it's like it makes it just makes it so much easier to you know recall stuff even for me you know so I can imagine how it's going to be you know that much simpler for the kids,
0: but. right? It it just makes it so much more digestible, and and now you know it, it does sound great at times to say we're very simple and we've only got a few plays, and and if you got a bunch of uh, ass kickers on your team, then by all means run those two plays and be great at them. But um, there's a, a lot of times, at least that that I've run into, that we need a few more plays than two. Uh, but you don't want to overwhelm the kids, and and now they're doing you know too much thinking too much, so. Um, you know, kind of some of the ways that we've done it, and, and there's been a bunch of coaches do it, but, um, you know, with different tags, and and like you said, families in buckets, where we at least know the base rules, and some of the things for those, and what we're trying to get accomplished, and it's just, it, it's been unbelievable how, how much more you can teach these kids, and like you said, now, uh, you know, you start at year one, now uh, you get that continuity, you're still there four years later, now you're, you're expanding on each of those. They already know those base, whatever plays, and now I can expand depending on uh, do I have a running quarterback? Do I have a great throwing quarterback? Do I have, you know, a fast or a big line? Now I can tweak it from there, but they all still know all of our base stuff, and now we tag different things on it. And, and you know, anyone can go and say we're going to run power and zone and option, and all those plays are, are plausible plays, but how do you group those together where your, whole, your offense can – run all of it or whatever it is you're wanting to use uh to where it's digestible is the is the fun science I think of of coaching behind your playbook
1: yeah for sure I totally agree yeah I mean that's that was a big you know thing for me this offseason was you know the one I think the one area that we struggled with the most in the run game obviously was our communication on you know our our combos on zone like for this year for some reason we started seeing a ton of like teams wanted to stem and shift around pre-snap and it was like that that was messing with our kids a ton because you know it's the first year in this kind of a system I mean I they had never ran zone before I mean they were all you know power counter lead that kind of thing you know they run some toss but you know so it was it was very confusing for the kids when they'd start seeing that you know And and I think the first team that did it to us was like week three and you know of course that's like you know, one of the better teams in our league and then everybody saw that mm-hmm. afterwards. So they continued mm-hmm. to do it, you know, and it was like, we were just, you know, constantly kind of trying to, you know, adjust and figure out, figure stuff out with the kids. And, and, you know, and when it's a new system for them too, it's, it's even that much more difficult. So yes. I think that the benefit of this off season will really be having that common language of, you know, all right, here's what this combo is called, you know, just all that stuff. So everybody's on the same page, you know, and I think it's going to make it so much better, you know, along with, you know, if we want to call a you know inside out or outside zone, hey, the combos don't change, man. Like it's the same thing. You know, you're just changing your your steps and your aiming point. You know, you call, make the same calls. You know, is it odd or even? And then you know, you're looking. You know, where's the center going? I mean, same thing with gap. You know, power Connor, It's the same thing. Right. You know, having the same calls both ways around. You know, so it, it making it that much more simple for us will be better. Just because you know, like I said before, my my I was fortunate to have you know my old line coach at, at Indian Trail was you know, he was a phenomenal coach and he played at, you know, he played in Northern Michigan, which is a D2 school. So, you know, I didn't have to like, you know, not once did I ever have to go to him and be like, Hey man, you need to do, you need to out those combos. <laughs> yeah. he just did it, you know? And I was like, <laughs> cause he knew how to do it, you know, but at, at this spot, you know, these guys have never ran it before. So it's a totally different ball game for me. You know, every time now it's like, all right, you guys, you know, are we good on this? Like, you know, do they have a question or if I, you know, it was, this past season was definitely tough because there was always that constant going back and forth of like, all right, what do we do here?" And then you know that our head coach is the old line coach, you know, so during the game, I mean he can't like you know when we come off the field, he's still got to be involved in what's going on in the field, so that was tough too you know, and I'm in the box, so it's like all right, we got to have somebody talk to the kids and so it was a constant like juggling trying to figure all that out so
2: yeah, that's one of those things I mean you know you, you get the job late and you uh, you're not going to have all the time that you want, you know, you're, you're hamstrung by some of the rules, you know, it, it puts a huge, huge emphasis on how well do I teach, you know, what, how, how clearly defined have I made the, the success criteria for the kids? Because if the kids really, you know, don't, don't understand what it's going to take to be successful, it's going to be super hard for them to, to have to kind of understand what to do. And I think the, the, not only the simpler can you make it, but I think, you know, Coach Harper was, was phenomenal at this, and he really pushed, pushed me and challenged me to, to make things even simpler. So I think, you know, being able to, to kind of collaborate with other people who, who have some of the, the same like terms. So whether it's, you know, the guys that are sitting in your office or it's guys that you may think alike. You know, I can call Dub anytime I want. Mm-hmm. I can call Coach Harper anytime I want. I can call, you know, Drew Ambrose anytime I want. And I can have that that conversation and that collaboration where I'm not just sitting there in a vacuum, and and seeing if if that's going to be the, the best way to do it. Because now all of a sudden you put those heads together, and and it sparks a lot of ideas. I mean, the the conversations I have with Coach Harper, literally on a weekly basis during these podcasts, it'll 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 spark up something where we'll get you know kind of off the air and we'll we'll clinic about it. Yeah, I think sure. I think just just being able to to, to walk through those things and then finally understand like, man, this is so much simpler. This makes so much more sense. This fits in with this. And when I have those five days, I can go boom and hit the ground running. Those kids are going to learn it so much faster. So the way that you teach and put those things together is paramount, especially when we're in this time driven business.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The five days, man, is challenging. Like it's, and the crazy thing too is, I mean, in Wisconsin, we get five and, you know, we're so far South in Wisconsin. Like I I can drive, you know, I can be in Illinois in 25 minutes. And if you go to Illinois, they get 25 days in the summer, you know, and and we (laughs) played against teams from Illinois. I've played, I think I've coached against three, you know, we played this past year, we played a team, uh, Lincoln way West, um, you know, who they're, one of their crosstown rivals, Lincoln Way East was, like, like a top 15 team in the country or something. I mean, they were ridiculous. They were, like, the worst team in their town, and they made it to, like, the state semis or something like that. You know, it's crazy. Like, and we played uh, Stevenson High School, which is down in Illinois, they have, like, 5,000 kids in their school or something like that. You know, we were 2,500. Um, we beat. I mean, we beat them once, but then, you know, the next year, they absolutely smashed us. But it's just, like, it's crazy. You only get five days to, like,
2: you know, we can hardly even
1: get through like a full install in five days, you know, let alone, you know, they want you to, you know, teach, you know, proper tackling and blocking and all that stuff or that's right. you know, the player safety stuff. It's like, what do you, what do you place your priority on? You know, like what, it's kind of hard to do it all in five days. So. Well, yeah. That's what that's
0: to me, that has always been the weird part is like, we're going to limit practices because of kid's safety and and all this. And it's like, I get that to an extent that you don't want them practicing two-a-days all summer, but uh, when you're limiting their practice that much, they're they're not getting all the technique and things they need to be safe. And they're not – you know, they're probably not in the best football shape they need to be in to be safe either. You know, all all that comes down to getting practice time. So when you limit it that much, uh, now you're probably going the other way in player safety.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I I know for us, like we – you know, but at least when I was back at Indian Trail, I know we, we would do our head coach would try to do something every day, you know, like, all right, we're going to either do, you know, because the way that they, they have it structured is you can either do like two, you can do a 90 minute practice and then you have to take a 30 minute break. And then you can have another 90 minute practice or you can do like a two and a half hour practice, but then that's it for the day. And then the next day you can only go for like an hour and a half, I think maybe. So it's a weird setup. Like you have to pick one or the other, but I know we would always do like the two 90 minute practices and our, our, head coach would always try to do, you know, all right. At the beginning of the first practice, we're going to do, everybody's going to do a tackling circuit. And then at the beginning of the second practice, everybody's doing, we're going to do work on blocking and like your power steps and stuff, just because that way everybody learns how to do it, you know, and he would go through, you know, how to, you know, don't lead with your head, all that, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it, it, but then at the same time, it's like, all right, well, we got to take out, you know, 20 minutes out of a 90 minute practice and we only get five of them, it's kind of hard, you know? So it, it definitely limits you, but it's crazy. The overregulation, man. I,
2: yeah. I, I get it. You know, I, I, I completely agree with, you know, we want everybody to, to be safe, but I, I think at the same time it gets to be, you know, some overkill. I, I really don't think that there's that many, you know, Neanderthal cavemen,
1: football coaches are still out there. You know, I mean, no. Well, much- you guys, when you have Tony Holler on, I'm guessing he's going to tell you otherwise. But. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he will probably
2: say that, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would think that, you know, most people, you would think most people by now would, would, would understand that at least, you know, I, I would hope that, that most people would understand, Hey, you know, we're not going to run kids into the ground and, and we're not going to have four-hour practices anymore, and eat salt tablets, and you know yeah, all, exactly. all that
1: good stuff. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tony, you guys will have fun with Tony. He's he's a good guy, man. He's uh, he's got some. I know I know that was like a huge thing on Twitter not too long ago. Like his articles like really made the rounds on there. Those have actually been out for a while now, but he's got some pretty cool cool stuff. Like I, I've been down to the track football consortium and stuff and it, it's a lot of fun they 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 have a really really good speakers that, that talk at those things and it's some it's not for everybody i'm not gonna lie like <laughs> you know some football coaches think could go to it and be like all right this is blasphemy but you know it's it's very new and cutting edge stuff that you've kind of never seen before like like the rpr stuff is is pretty cool like I've, I've done the rpr level one thing before and that's like just straight up like voodoo or something you know you don't you don't it doesn't make any sense to you like logically when you see that first, but. pressure points Ooh. and all that stuff. Yeah, man, it works. Well, it's like, it's crazy. So it's totally like, it's all like neural, right? So like the, the easiest one to explain is like, okay, so if you want if you want to activate your, your psoas muscle, which is like your hip flexor, right? It's yep. the, the point is like, if you go to your belly button and you go like, if you stick both your fingers in your belly button, go out an inch and then down an inch, it's like, that's the point right there. And so, you're like I know the first time they had me do it, I was like, "Why am I pushing here?" And then he explains it, and he's like, "Well, if you think about it, when you're a baby, right, and you're laying on your stomach, like when you start to crawl, like that, like the pressure on that part of your stomach, at tells your brain to initiate like that cross crawl pattern, which the you know they're gonna pull your knees up, which is mm. your hip flexors, right? So that's it's all totally like neural, like that. So they every all of them have like a some you know some sort of connection that way like your glutes are like the base of your skull on the back which is crazy i forget exactly how that one worked but yeah it's at first i was just like this is nuts but it works man it's it's some cool stuff
2: <laughs> that is cool i can picture yeah. harper trying it right now yeah i'm
0: too yeah. fat for that right now yeah. <laughs> I'm pressing into a bunch of fat
2: <laughs> that's oh, yeah. not activating no, it's cool.
1: anything but making me mad that i'm too fat <laughs> Yeah, it's cool, man. He's, he'll have some good – he'll have a lot of good stuff for you guys. He'll be good.
2: <laughs> I'm definitely excited to have him on. I know that. But, you know, I just, again, I just think, so. you know, there's so much information out there for, for people not to understand, you know, that, that right now football is the safest it's ever been, you know. And I, I'm just getting tired of the, the associations that continually just put time restriction after time restriction after time restriction on – I'm not going to say a lot of the southern states because I think – You know, Oklahoma, I thought, did a pretty good job. I still think spring ball could be better down there. But, you know, the Texases, the Floridas, the Georgias, you know, they do a great job. The the schools in the north, for whatever reason, just continue to be super, super restrictive with time. And then in the same vein, you'll see kids who will play a 70-game baseball schedule. Mm -hmm. And you'll see kids who will play, you know, 30-some games of basketball during the school season and then they're still allowed to play on all these other, you know, teams during, during the off season. And then once summer hits, it's the same kind of deal. You're like, okay, cool. This is going to be the season before football. And then they'll allow all these other sports to have open moratorium too. So, I mean, it, it just gets old having to kind of be the, you know, the the person that has to, to, to bend over backwards and, and change schedules to to help people out, you know, with multiple sports and schedules and busyness Uh, when at the end of the day, the most violent sport that we play is football and kids, kids need to be physically ready to play that thing. And it takes time to physically get ready for, you know, for combat. You don't see MMA guys train for five days and go fight. (laughs) You know, I mean, you don't see, you don't see boxers do, Hey, you know what? I'm going to give it a good two week camp and let's, let's go at it. You know I mean? It takes time to prepare for those long, arduous seasons that. You know, they want to they schedule 12 games so they can make all their money back in the playoffs too. Well, let, let us train and let us get ready for that. And, and let's have some, you know, some trust in these coaches being educated. We'll keep kids safe and also make them ready to play this this combat sport that everybody loves.
1: Yeah, no, I agree, man. Yeah, we, I mean, it's constant. Like, I know, like, AAU basketball, man, right now is, like, the biggest thing. It's just, especially in our area, like, I mean, there are so many kids that play, on an AAU team. And it's just nuts. Like sometimes, you know, like they'll, you'll show up for like a, a morning workout in the summer and we'll have like, you know, there's like 15 kids missing, and you ask, and Hey, where are all these guys? And the other kids would be like, Oh, well, they had a, you know, AAU tournament somewhere. And it's like, dude, like, you know, <laughs> they're just always gone. And it's nuts to me because like, I think back to when, when I was in, in high school, you know, which is like 15 years ago, like if you wanted to play AAU ball, like you had to be a dude in order to be on an AAU team. And now it's like, uh, now everybody has an AAU basketball team. And it's like, if you don't, like somebody's dad doesn't like the coach, it's like, all right, well I'm going to start my own team now. And then everybody's playing. And it's just, it's just getting out of hand. You know, it's almost like, you know, that, and between that and baseball, it's crazy. I mean, baseball is not as bad, but man, it's, it's nuts, dude. Like they're constantly <laughs> always basketball stuff going on. The kids are missing for, and they're playing, you know, they'll, they'll be, they'll go to a tournament in a weekend and play like eight games in two or three days. It's like, all right, well, what's worse? You want to do that or you don't want to give me more than five days of practice football, but they're going to play, you know, 20 basketball games in a week. Like, right. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, it's, it's nuts, man. <laughs>
2: yeah. Then every one of those kids comes back from a, you know, their, their binge of, of basketball and they weigh six pounds less. Yeah, and What do they want to tell you in the weight room? You know, I'm not going to say yeah. all of them, but a good number of, man, I'm really, I'm really sore. I'm really worn out and I'm really worn down. So now I can't lift Well, yeah. n- Now it just becomes a compounding problem because you're, you're continually getting weaker and then you're going to want to step out there and, and have to compete on a field where now the, the kids that have been showing up are, yeah. are, you know, building that armor up to do it. So yeah. I don't know. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, but <laughs> Hey, they're not going to listen to me. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs> well, coach, uh, you know, you, you kind of talked about going to that o, the Ohio state type of offense. Uh, yeah. so uh, are you guys going to be, are you guys, you know, pretty heavy, 20 personnel? If so, uh, what are you, what are you calling that H or that Y or that F, whatever you're calling? Cause I'm assuming, um, unless he's a different position, like, I think, you know, quite a bit of the time we've got a different position for it, but we're more pro style. Uh, I would assume it's going to be the same guy that'll be in line on tight end as well uh, as your twenty personnel fullback type
1: guy. Yeah, or be a sure. different person. Yeah, right. Right now, um, yeah, he's definitely more. I, well, honestly, probably this year will be more in line tight end, just because the kid that plays that position is. He's actually um, a, a really, really good baseball player. He's actually committed to Central Michigan, which is wow. cool. But he's like, you know, like six four, six five, two hundred and fifteen pounds. So he he's a big kid. Um, he actually did not play, he didn't even play football his freshman and sophomore year because he was focusing on baseball. And then he, he had played quarterback when he was younger. And, uh, the plan was he was going to come out and play quarterback this past year. Um, and we actually ended up having this other kid who was only a sophomore who was, you know, just turns out to be like a stud. So we're like, Hey man, we're going to bump you to tight end. Um, so that's where he's at right now. So we're, we're lucky in that spot. Um, in the past, it's it is definitely dependent, really, like on the type of kid that we've had there. Like when I first got the OC job at Indian Trail, that it was more of like, you know, a true like H back, like off the line guy, pretty much, you know, every play. Um, like when we originally started out, we we ran. Like I was fortunate. My first year as OC, we were pretty stacked um, talent wise. We had we had a really really big O line. Like I think we averaged like 280 across the front on the O line. We were huge. Um, and then we had Jeez. three receivers who were pretty good. Um, one of them one of them got uh, – he, he was getting some D1 interest um, from the Big Ten schools and, like, the Max schools. He ended up going to Northwest Missouri State because he's also, like, a stud track kid. He's a long jumper and triple jumper, so he's actually doing both. Um, and then we had a quarterback who could really chuck it. So we were kind of running, like, a little bit of the Baylor offense back then. You know, it was a lot of, like, the, hey, we're just going to pound you with, you know, power – counter and zone. And then we're going to launch it deep or throw quick screens. We did a lot of that. Um, now we're more, like I said, kind of like the inline tight end, which is, so we're, we're a little more, you know, away from that Baylor style to more of like, you know, we gotta, we gotta hit some intermediate throws and we got to run a little more outside zone and that kind of stuff. But we, the kid, I'm I'm fortunate that the kid that is playing tight end is a very good athlete. Um, Last year we actually ended up splitting them out wide quite a bit. That was, Typically, especially when we get into, like, the red zone goal line area, I would put him – I would line him up as, like, our outside guy or put him out, you know, as a single receiver. And, you know, he's 6'4", 6'5". He's, you know, seven or eight inches taller than most of the corners. He would <laughs> Heck, yeah. All nice. All right,
2: nice. man, let's
1: throw it, throw it to Colton up here in, in the end zone, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm fortunate with, with him. And then we actually have another kid who played a little bit of, like um, – we had a couple injuries towards the end of the year, so we had to move some guys around. So we had another guy who was – a pretty good uh, linebacker for us who came over and played like a little bit more of like the fullback role, like a true offline type kid who was a little bit more of a badass that would, you know, really get in there and smoke some dudes if we needed to like on power. So, so I think with this year, the plan is probably to be more like true 11 ish personnel a little more often, but then also have that capability to get into some 21 with that other kid um, putting him off the line a little bit. So yeah, I'd like to get into some more like tight end wing sets that type of thing, just because I think that really puts a lot of stress on the defenses that we see around here. So, when we see a ton of 4 5 so <laughs> we run to the boundary a lot up here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am about to say,
0: I bet. There's yeah. some really good, uh, especially depending on how they run their 4-2-5, um, there's some really uh, almost easy things to, to pick on in the run game, I think, uh, yep. with some of those guys that are strictly, you know, 4
1: 5 I'm going to keep the, the extra guy to the to the field no matter what. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, we actually, I mean, I'm a big, we've always ran a ton of power read. That's kind of been like our go-to play for, you know, almost ever since I got to Indian trail, we put it in my first, the first kid that we had at quarterback when I was at Indian trail was a really, really good running quarterback, very fast kid. He ended up actually going to uh, upper Iowa to play. Um, So we put in power read with him and I think he ran for like almost 2000 yards or something, but we've always used that. And I love, Love running that one into the boundary, especially with the, you know, the tight end or H back into the boundary, and then we'll just arc him right around up to the second or third level. Even that's been a great play for us over the years. So,
0: <laughs> what are you teaching the guard when you guys do power read? Because I've kind of heard both. I've heard you know just kind of cram it up in there no matter what, and then I've had some coaches try to teach, um, you know, if you see that in crash, get your guard out around him, and now he's kind of a a lead blocker now out and still picking up the linebacker, but now he's going to be outside of that in that that's, that's wrong arming and and, mm-hmm. and you know kind of teaching the guard to basically read that same read as the quarterback how do you guys teach that I, I've never we've never really run power read much at, yeah. at broken arrow or
1: never really got into it so I'm always kind of curious yeah we def- we we try to get him out around that guy if if he can that that is that's definitely like the number one thing that we see against it is they'll you know they'll they'll send like the defensive end down and try to wrong arm the guard and then they'll shoot the linebacker over top, you know, just to try to bait us into the give read with it. Um, And so we, we definitely try to get the guard to go over top. Now it obviously depends on the, probably the talent level of that kid a little bit, Sure, Um, but if we can, and that's why I, I really like using, you know, putting the tight end on that side and arcing him a lot. Um, you know, and then we can kind of mix mix that in with like some pin pull too. You know, just to take advantage of whatever that defensive end is doing. You know, if he wants to play, if he wants to shoot down to try to bait, try to bait us into the give read. Okay, well then you know we'll call pin pull into the boundary. You know, that's a good play. I like that one. You know, like it works oh, out. Yeah,
0: so, I th- I think uh, you know especially into the boundary, but it, really anywhere. I think being able to package eleven personnel, you know, weak power and pin and pull together um, can be. You know, one of the simplest and and one of the best things that you can do out of eleven personnel run game wise, um, especially you know, we've gotten in situations where defenses are going to do different things. Sometimes they're going to play them a nine, sometimes they're going to play them in a six or maybe even you know seven or six I whatever you want to call it. Um, and being able to go up there and and you know, we've gotten to where we're we're kind of double calling it and and putting it on the quarterback. Hey, if he's a nine, we're going to run power, and if he's a head up to inside we're going to call pin and pull and being able to do that is just it's so simple but um man it just works so well as as long as we can get everything else blocked up obviously but he wants to play wide nine or or loose nine it's easy one back power and if he wants to play super tight or even a seven hey let's go pin and pull and and you know let our numbers work
1: work for us there yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, and then I'm also a big I'm I'm a big wheat counter fan too. I, I love that play. We we've had a lot of success, and that's I think, I think it, statistically that has been, I think aside from power read, wheat counter has been our, our best run concept over the past ever, at least since I've been the OC anyway. Um, Is that GT counter? Or are you guys going GHY? counter? You know, for the mo- we, so when I was at Indian Trail, we ran strictly GH or GY, I guess. Um, where we would and similar to like kind of what you guys have on your install you know where a lot of like what Clemson and Ohio State do they will put like the running back and that H back on the same side Mm -hmm. I like I tend to like to align them opposite of each other and then the running back like you know takes off like it's going to be like a power read but then it's like a design cutback you know I've always liked that look because that you know, we sell that off of power read and pin pull, you know, they all kind of package together like that. So you kind of right. get a pre-snap the same steps out of the running back right away. And then it's a design cutback. So those are the big three. And then we, we we do run a decent amount of like split zone too. So, but that's probably my favorite look as of now. Now that probably is obviously going to change this year with having a little bit more of an inline tight end. We'll probably just be running a little more GT um, because case actually prior to me coming there, they were a big GT team. So they know it um, and they know how to coach it. I, I did not know it before I got there, but um, so it's good to have those guys that, that do know it. So,
0: One of my favorite things that Wall's ever put in, and I've only got to run it a couple times since, and and it makes me angry that it's I've only gotten to, but uh, especially against like those three, four teams, we'd go two tight ends and we'd run um, a split zone, but pull our tackle or tackle trap. I, ha- however everyone wants to call it, doesn't really matter, yeah. but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. You know, I tackling tight end, working up to that backside linebacker, and now my play side technically tackle is is pulling, open pulling and kicking the backside end. Um, man, it has just worked so well for us. Uh the few times that we've ran it. It we need to be able to run it a little bit more often, probably, especially this year. We got a tackle that can really pull. Um, and we we can make it work into a couple different fronts, you know. So um just a, another way where a team doesn't think you can run split zone or doesn't think you can run some things because you get, you know, inline tight ends, but but then being able to with your tackle or um, I'd also be nice to run some counter and, and with an inline tight end, and have him pull. So we don't know if we'll, we'll be athletic enough to do that, but it'd be really cool to, to be able to make
1: that work. Yeah, man, I, I tell you what, if I could pick, like if I could hand pick, you know, two specific kids for my team every year. I would pick out two tight ends that way that I could base out of 12 personnel and just split those guys all over the field. Like mm-hmm. that would be my idea. Like I would love that. Like, you know, I just haven't never been able to do it as a yet. Like my, My original at at Indian Trail, our first head coach was the defensive coordinator. So it's like whenever we had those kind of guys, well, guess what? They're they're gonna play defensive end. (laughs) They're playing D and linebacker 100% of the time. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like we we had some of those guys, but yeah, I never really had them. But yeah, if I could pick, man, I would sit. I would love to sit in you know like Ace and Ace twins and be able to do all that stuff all day, and then split those guys. You know, put put your big guys on the outside when you get down in the red zone goal line area. That would be that would be sick if I could do that. (laughs) <laughs> that
2: that literally might might be the the best offense I ever saw was was the Patriots when they had Gronkowski and they had uh, Hernandez the the murderer himself. Yep, <laughs> I, I'm I'm not it's kidding. You. <laughs> sorry, sorry, rest in peace there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I I was lucky enough to go to to Florida for spring ball and and you know we we had connections with Urban Meyer when he was down there, so it would have been uh, Tebow's last year. And what a collection of talent! I think they had their entire three deep back on on defense. You know they're getting ready to go win the national title. But the best player in the field, hands down, was Aaron Hernandez. I mean, yeah, it I've was that, yeah. it, it literally wasn't even close. Like every every third down, every team segment. You know, Tebow. Let's just say Tebow was not the greatest passer, but he <laughs> was really good when he was throwing the ball to to Aaron Hernandez yeah that guy that guy could get open on on linebackers that guy could could split out and get open on safeties i mean he was insane and and now he goes to to belichick and and who i think is is one of you know one of the few coaches who literally could call a game on defense and I could call a game on offense too he's he's that good but the way that they moved him around and handed him the ball and created extra gaps in in the run game and you know with, with tom brady that was to me the coolest offense that was literally ever created. They got running backs lined up out wide and they still do that. And then they had those two tight ends. I'm Like, this is crazy. And then they, they hand the ball off to him like, like a running back. <laughs> yeah. Like that's cool.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. I was like, we had one year where I had a kid. Um, he's actually the, I talked about him earlier. He's the one that went to Wofford. He, he was, a, he played defensive end for us um, when I went on to Wofford. So we, our, our defense was a four um when I was at Indian trail. So he was like our rush end or kind of our wide side guy. And uh, eventually, you know, we realized we're like, dude, this, this guy is too good. You know, like we were too platoon, but we're like, he's, he's got to come. We have to put him at tight end because he's just a total game changer. Like if he, we put him on the field, it just makes us, you know, infinitely better. Um, so we brought him over and we actually did a little bit of that stuff too. We would actually run, you know, we would set like we put him at H-back and then the running back set opposite. And we would run power read to him from the H-back spot. You know, yeah. and let the running back be the lead blocker out there. And that was one of ended up being one of our best plays that year. We, we just, you, know, you get this dude that's, you know, 6'3", 6'4", 215 pounds, you know, and he runs like a, you know, a 4'7", or something. I mean, he was just bulldozing guys all over the field. It was, you know, probably one of the smartest moves we ever made right there. So, yeah, those guys, having guys like that is, man, if I could pick every year, just let me pick two guys, give me two of those right there. <laughs> I would love that. Coach, you have said
2: it a couple times too. I mean, when, when you're running the the power read, it, it it's not a great play, I don't think. Just just straight up to that open side, no. no. Like you said, especially you know even fronts can can gap exchange you, and you're you're never going to get to that inside linebacker when he's scraping that hard. But when you start, you know, adding the the either the arc tight end or in that case the arc running back, or if you know you have the H back there and he's arcing you know, it, it can really get that play started and it becomes a, a really good way to run it because now it's a it's a fast way to get the ball to the perimeter. And like you said, you run it now with a wing. You you could build it into your cadence to where you don't even have to send the guy in motion. Yep. You know the guy can just get that, that running start and, and it changes the box a little bit for the for the defense. It's it's been a great play for us too and I and I like it, you know, being a, a receiver guy and we can put some of those those faster kids at at wing spots and it allows us to get the ball quickly to the perimeter and, and take advantage of some of their skills. And, you know, we don't have to to do a whole heck of a lot, you know?
1: Yep. Yeah, for sure, man. We've ran, I mean, I actually just did a clinic on it like back in January on, on all of our power read stuff. And it was like, you know, just going back through all the film, it's crazy. Like how many different, you know, variations of it we've tried over the years. Like I, I think the only one that I never really was comfortable enough running was like the, like the sprint out shovel power read, you know, that was the only one that I just was like, man, that scares me. Hell no. But, uh, you know, we've done all the, you know, we've done like the toss read, we've done, you know, the basic Mm -hmm. inverted beer, we've done jet read, we've done power read from pistol where it's just a straight downhill run and then the quarterback can pull it and, you know, like on like a zone read, we've done just about everything. So, yeah, but yeah, it's definitely running to the open side, we've never – you know, back when we had a quarterback who ran a 4-4, we could get away with it. But, you yeah. know, we, that was like, you know, that hasn't happened since then. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, and like you said, too, man, we'll put – we had one year where we would put like our – we had a little slot receiver who, you know, he ended up going – he played at Whitewater. Um, you know, he was like 5'9", 150 pounds, but he ran like a – you know, he was like a 4-4 kid. Like, obviously, if he's lined up at like H-back, you know, we're probably not running power, you know, but we would just run him – we would run power read to him. and. You know, it was one of our best plays because, like, he gets on the edge with a lead blocker out there. Like, see ya, you know, nobody's catching him. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, that's been a great play. Definitely, a, probably my most used play since I've been a been a coordinator. So, I love big power Reed fan, <laughs> what- Coach. I, I wish I was a little bit better at this. We've never been very good at blocking this, and and this
0: kind of goes for Coach Walls, you or Coach Ambrose. But um, is the the you know quarterback and having a fast quarterback, or even going with the. um uh, you know, whatever, putting a tailback there, a speed guy, at quarterback, and being able to just really simply run, you know, quarterback outside zone uh, mm-hmm. with the tailback as your lead guy and and numbers are good. For whatever reason, we just and, – and I probably need to go back and look at it better to know why we, we're we just not as good at that. But have either of you guys ran it very effectively? Because I see teams like when Houston had Greg, Greg Ward, I mean, that was like their – they went to that all the time. I mean, they ran that. If they needed a touchdown, they were running that, and uh, they did it unbelievably well. Um, I've never really been able to, to figure it out uh, as far as how to block well, and, and uh, maybe we just didn't get enough reps at it. But uh, have either of you guys ran that with, with much
1: success? Um, not, not a ton, man. We, so it, it was crazy. My, so my last year at, at Indian Trail, we actually uh, – our, our starting quarterback, who was much more of a passer – he uh, broke his collarbone like in the first quarter of week Um, two. So he missed the rest of the season. And what we ended up, you know, we had uh, two guys behind him, one, um, a sophomore. And then we had a freshman kid who's, who's decent, who's going to be, he's still there now. Um, but neither one of them was ready to go. I mean, they just weren't ready for the big, you know, the big show on Friday night. So we ended up taking our, our Z receiver at the time, um, and bumping him into quarterback. And we essentially ran, you know, like, almost an entirely like wildcat kind of based offense, but everything was for the most part based off of power and counter. Um, You know, we ran, that was really the big reason why we put in all the different variations of power read. Um, And then later on in the year, we did put in a little bit of quarterback outside zone, but yeah, we never, we never had a lot of success with it. Um, I I just don't think we've ever, we've never really put the time into running, you know, like outside or wide zone as much as we should. Um, And that actually was, you know, kind of one of my big, probably my biggest project learning scheme this off season was trying to get better at the wide zone stuff. So hopefully we can, I mean, my quarterback right now is not much of a runner. He's definitely more of a passer, but uh my plan is to run a little bit more of that, but I have never, never had a ton of success with the quarterback outside zone. Yeah. I, I, I would also echo
2: that. I think for one, if for me, it's like the, the QB, I mean, you <laughs> You look at the teams that have been really good at You're talking, you know, Greg Ward at Houston, unbelievable athlete. Um, the guy at Texas, I just think he's tough. You know, I, I forget his name. But, Ellinger, you know, Ellinger. Ellinger. Ellinger, yeah. I think he's just he's <clears> tough ass. They, you know, the box numbers are, are good for them. So, by leading with the tailback, you know, he can clean up color and there's not going to be an extra hat there because, you know, he can throw it to. Yeah, he's and like a I
1: fullback think, at quarterback.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then you got uh, the the dude that's now at at Houston. Your boy Hurts uh, uh, Harper. So I mean, yeah, to me, at, uh, I, Oklahoma, think, yeah. I, I think it's it probably comes down a lot to you know how 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 tough is your QB? Is he going to make one cut and and take it north and south? I mean, most <coughs> that I know, you know, probably probably not going to happen to where they can stretch that and cut it. And then I think, you know, same thing for me. Um, wide zone. Wide zone, I think, is, is a great play, but, again, you, you have to major in it. And I think I, I've always been too much of a fan of, of gap schemes and, and pin-pull that I felt like um, I, I wanted to get really, really good at those things, and I felt like uh, wide zone for us was too expensive of a play if we were going to be good at those things. So mm-hmm. we could never really give it the, the due diligence that it needs. Um, would it be good? Yes. Yes. But then, at the same time, I don't. I don't think me personally. I would be coaching it with as much passion as I would power, pin pull, and inside zone. So, I think you kind of just you kind of just stick with with what you need. And I think there's you know there's plenty of of Q runs out there to where you can get it done. But hey, if you got the horses, and you know how to coach it. By all means. Yeah. <laughs> that's for right. sure.
1: Yeah, I agree, dude. Yeah, it's it's a tough. Like I like I said, that's kind of my my big off season thing was you know scheme wise was trying to learn as much wide zone as i could so and i know you you guys had a few other guys on the podcast that talked about it and that was good so i kind of i had actually reached out to a few of them and they had given me some good stuff so but and then uh, uh you guys you haven't had coverdale on yet i know he's another big wide zone guy his stuff is really good he's almost like he's like so cerebral and smart it's like you know it's hard to you know like he he's so detailed it's like man i don't think i can like, I want to do it, but, man, it's, it's he's, he's so good at it. Like, I don't think I'm on that level yet to, to be able to do what he's doing. Yeah, you sit there and
2: listen to guys like, you know, Gibbs and them talk about it and all all the techniques and nuances. I'm like, dude, this is, this is an entire offense. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I could never give it the, the due diligence. I mean, the the one play that I would run, and, and you know, Harper, by, by saying, you know, leading with the tailback, you know, to to me, the outside – sorry, the wide zone lead. <laughs> I want to make sure I don't you know, make the people mad out there, but the wide zone lead where you have the extra fullback or the extra hat just to clean up color, I think, I think makes it a lot easier. And, and that's, you know, the, the main way the Patriots run it. You see a lot of teams that if they are going to run it and maybe not just major in it, that's, that's the way that they will run it because it helps kind of clean up some things on that, that front side combination. And, you know, then you can cut a little bit on the backside and, and maintain. You know, the other thing it does I like is when you when you add lead, it changes your angles. So I don't have to worry about that frontside backer. My angles can now work back a man. When I, when I now don't have to worry about a linebacker flying over the top and my he's way, way behind me, I can be a little bit thicker on that down defender. And now I don't have to worry about, you know, teaching teaching that guy to, to come off, you know, hey, it's a punch and then expand. I can stay on that thing because I got a fullback that's going to clean it up. So. Yeah, uh, yeah that's kind of that's kind of been my crutch a little bit maybe and maybe it's a bit good or a bad thing but it, it, it's my way of saying hey it makes outside zone a little bit easier
1: yeah no I agree man yeah it's it. so I like the the couple teams that I watched a lot of this off season. like I, I did Ohio State and then uh, I watched NC State who NC State ran a ton of wide zone and they run it they run a lot of it with a like a lead back you know kind of like almost like that offset one back offset, one in the pistol, and then he leads up in there. That's definitely their favorite way of doing that, I think. And then Ohio State will do a little bit of that too. But they're either – they're running it out of pistol with like an H-back or something out there too. So, they, yeah, I, I agree. It definitely cleans it up a lot for you when you have that lead blocker in there.
0: Well, Coach, uh, you know, kind of running up here on an hour, uh, but the last thing I always love to ask is uh, when you're watching another team's offensive line, uh, what's some things that they'd be
1: doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? so I think the biggest thing for me is that I learned a lot more of this year. Uh, Like I, like I mentioned earlier, was we started seeing a lot of a lot of teams started to stem and, and shift their fronts like right, right, pre-snap on us. Um, You know, I think just being able to, as the old line, they're able to just understand what their rule is, you know, and Hey, it's, it's zone. All right, man, I'm going to step to my play side and I'm just going to block my rule. I'm going to step block my gap and we're going to go from there. Or if it's power, you know, we're not going to, they don't panic when they see all that movement. They just understand, all right, hey, let's step and block my rule. Like, I know I got to go I got go to my backside gap. I'm going to step down. I'm going to block what shows here and take them. And just seeing teams that do that, to me, that just shows that, you know, their, their coach and the kids took the time out to, to really go through the rules. They understand it, and they get that, like, hey, man, we don't, gotta, we don't have to panic here. Like, okay, they're doing something crazy. Like, let's just step off, and let's just run it, and let's go. I think
2: it's a great point, you know, and it's it's one of the things that I I really really admire about coach Harper is is he's always I think done a, done a good job of preparing his guys for for difficult looks and difficult fronts. I know when I when I look back at a lot of the the playoff teams and and being able to watch them on their playoff run this year and and seeing all the junk, you know, he calls them junk fronts and I agree. I mean, people are yeah. coming up with with junk to try to mess you up and confuse you. And, and they're still able to, to run the ball for, you know, 250, 300 yards a game and, and putting the ball in the end zone, to me, that, that really speaks highly of, you know, one, the way you're teaching things, and then I think, you know, two, the, the way that you're, you're practicing that. Um, the kids are prepared for those things because it's, it's not a deal where it's like, hey, we're just going to see an even front this week. We're just going to practice everything against the four three. Mm -hmm. now it's we'll we'll practice two of them against the four three and the rest of the time it's going to be freaking live bullets i'm gonna be bringing dudes from all over the place and and where now all of a sudden that chaos that's that's created and those those nasty looks it just becomes normal life i think what does he say on on rambo you know he's talking he's talking about you know the the days the days that you think might be the worst days ever he calls heaven Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's kind of the way, you know, those kids get to be. It's like, hey, man, I've I've seen worse things in practice. So the game's yeah, going easy.
1: Yeah, we see so much, like, uh, at least the teams that are, like, the even front teams, we see, you know, that it's like, we at least for a few years, man, we, like, we would show up in a game and it's like, dude, they're not even, this isn't even remotely close to, like, what we're <laughs> talking about. Yeah. It happens all the time. You know, we, we have... We only have one three, four team in our league, and, you know, they're pretty consistent with what they do, so you have an idea. But the, the other teams, it's just like, man, they might – they're in like a four-two-five one one week. The next week it's like, a, you know, they're like a 4-3 where they got, you know, only one linebacker in the box, and it's like, what is going on, man? Or they're playing totally different front or – oh, yeah, so it, it's crazy. I, I think that's definitely – if your old you're linemen know – like what they're just what your base rule is like all right let's go man that makes life a lot better for me at least up top you know when i'm watching it i'm like ah oh, hopefully we know hopefully we know our rule here and that's gonna do it for this
0: episode of rtp we want to again thank all of our sponsors you guys make sure and go check them out help grow our community by telling other coaches about run the power and if you enjoy running the power go get your shirt long sleeve or hoodie at run also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it'll allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram and you can find that at run the power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.